All right, um, let's go ahead and, uh, and pray, and we'll begin class number 25. Amen. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your hand upon our lives. Thank you, Father, that you've covered us with the shadow of your hand, and you've put your words in our mouths so that you might plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. And Father, I thank you that you are working together with us. Your Holy Spirit has come alongside us tonight. He's present in this room. He's within us. He's among us. And I thank you, Father, that He is upon us, enabling us to receive truth in our inward parts, Father. Lord, to connect with things that go beyond the human brain's ability to comprehend. And Lord, I thank you tonight for information, but most importantly for revelation and impartation. Father, from those impartations comes demonstrations, Lord, of your power and of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you tonight, not just for what you're doing in our lives, but Lord, I thank you in advance for all those that the men and women in this room and watching online are going to minister to in the future. So thank you, Father, for helping us bring our hearts to attention. Lord, for supernatural uh, clarity tonight. Lord, we ask that you think through my mind, speak through my lips. May my spirit, soul, and body become a portal through which your wisdom can pass from eternity into time and space, Father. And Lord, that, that those in the room who are, are tired, Lord, weary in body, but are here as a sacrifice, Lord, I thank you for just supernaturally helping them, Lord, to, to be alert and strong and receive. We understand the enemy fights uh, your truth, and he tries to keep people from coming uh, into contact with your truth. But I thank you, Father, that he's losing that battle tonight, and you are causing us to be victorious, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. All right, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, Genesis 1 and 26. That's where uh, we will begin as far as the Scriptures are concerned. But I do want to um, uh, go back and just talk for just a moment about last week's uh, class. Um, uh, Brother Chez and I had a great conversation afterwards. And, and he made the point that um, I should have made, and so I'm going to... I'm going to make it now, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is much more than speaking in tongues. Okay, um, the Bible says that when He comes upon you in in that way, that it's to empower you to be a witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And we see that the uh, speaking in tongues is an is an entry level gift to the other eight gifts of the Spirit. You may never give a public message in tongues. You may never be able to speak someone else's known language supernaturally by gift of the Spirit. But every person in this room has the opportunity and the ability um, as a born-again child of God to pray in an unknown tongue and to worship Father in an unknown tongue with the tongues of men and of angels. Okay? Now, the reason, if you recall, what we were focusing on, though, is the power of words and, and how we were created to function the way God functions. And we said that God brings things into existence by words and that the Scriptures say that we compose or bring into substance uh, spiritual things, bring them into physical substance um, by speaking spiritual words, producing spiritual things into reality. Um, and so, again, that... That involves praying in an unknown tongue. So, <clears throat> you know, I also feel like, uh, I know a lot of you in here have taken that step to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know some of you perhaps have not. Some of you are not at this point interested. Some of you are. Okay. 
So um, just know I'm always available to talk with you about these things, pray with you about those things. Um, and while, yes, as someone pointed out last week, um, you know, through, the, through other people praying for you, laying hands on you, um, but that is not a prerequisite. In other words, you can act on faith and in agreement with the Word of God. And, and you know, I'm not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's His baptism to give. And, of course, the Scriptures say He's already freely given you all things. So I would encourage you, uh, if, if that is something you have yet to... Uh, you know, step over into an experience, um, I would make it a top priority uh, in my life. Um, I was born again when I was five years old. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. And um, the uh, difference in, in my life, and uh, in, other, in other words, it, it was revolutionary uh, for me and uh, anyone that I know that has taken that next step. It has been revolutionary for them. I know there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of confusion, um, but if you think about it, as I mentioned, uh, I think, after we prayed last week, or right at the end last week, according to John the Baptist, Jesus came to do two things for you. He came to take away your sins, and He came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, what we're going to begin to talk about tonight is, um, is going to lay a foundation uh, from which we will uh, build, or you could even say springboard from, that foundation to better understand uh, our new birth and what it means to receive salvation and what really happened uh, when you did. Um, and so, if we go back to it, Jesus came to do two things for you, take away your sins, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And it's those two things more than any other uh, that have become the most controversial. More conflict within the body of Christ has arisen over differences of opinion about those two uh, fundamental things than any other teaching, any other doctrine. Am I right about this? You understand what I'm saying? You've you got the folks that, that believe once saved, always saved. You've got the folks that believe if you sin after you are saved, you're just as bound for hell as you were before. You've got the folks that believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today and speaking in tongues is for today and the other gifts of the Spirit are for today. Healing is for today. you got folks on the other end of that spectrum who, who believe that it's not. And the reality of it is everybody uses Bible verses to, to support their position. You know, major denominations have been formed over differences of opinion concerning, again, these two fundamental things. So I'm going to go, go back to you again. Just remember, I'm, I'm not here to carry any denomination's water. I'm a non-denominational pastor. I'm a kingdom man. And I'm really only interested, when I say only interested, that's, it's kind of one of those things that somebody could take out of context and, and, and misunderstand what I mean. But when I say only interested, my, my only dog in the fight is the truth. I just want to know the truth. And whatever, whatever that truth is, I, I want to know the truth. Amen. And if tongues are for, for me and for today, then I, I want what's for me and for, and for today. Um, and, and if they're not, then they're not, right? And, um, and, and so that's the approach that we have uh, concerning these things. So... In the days that are ahead, we're going to take a very deep dive into um, our salvation, what that, what that looks like, what it means. And I'm sure in a group this size, especially uh, given the ebb and flow of the online uh, audience, uh, there's lots of different opinions about these things. Again, not 
interested in opinion. We want to know the truth. There's only one truth, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and Jesus said that He came to lead us and guide us into that truth, into all truth. Amen? So, I want you to uh, just kind of file that away in the back of your mind, uh, that we're going we're to come to some answers, some solid answers concerning these things. And um, while the journey towards that end has already, you know, is already well underway, uh, tonight is a, is a, is a major uh, turning point, a major pivot in our time together um, to uh, start to lay the groundwork for you to be able to understand that um, without any reservation, without any question, without any doubt whatsoever, okay? So I'm really, really excited uh, about that for us, amen. All right. So let's just, a real quick review, we're answering this question, what is man? And we've come to four different answers. Number one, we've said man is a God-class being. Number two, we said man is a spirit being. Number three, man is the legal authority on earth. Any, anything kind of come back to your memory as we go over these, it's stuff we've been talking about, okay? Amen, we don't just be something that we hear once and, and uh, forget about. All right, then the last few weeks we've been on number four, Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. And in that portion of our study, we really dug into certain characteristics, abilities, attributes that we have, that we possess because we were created in the image and likeness of God. And we said that it's those things that can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. And how they're dynamic, they're interactive, and they basically culminate in the words that we speak. Now, as we continue through, we're going to talk, you know, we're going to talk more and more about faith. So let me remind you that faith without works is dead. Dead in the sense that it's dormant. It doesn't mean non-existent. It's there. It's just not awakened. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God, it begins to awaken. It begins to arouse the faith, the measure of faith that God's put in every person's heart. But in order for faith to be released, it must be acted upon. And the first way we act on faith is by speaking. Um, we, we, the Bible says the word of faith which we preach speaks in this way. Not only does it speak, the Bible tells us how faith speaks. And um, one of the things that I would encourage you to begin to seek the Lord about is what I call being, being able to speak fluent faith. Because um, if we're going to be men and women of faith, walk and live by faith, um, then... Uh, we got to learn how to speak the language. And I don't, I don't mean unknown tongues. Obviously, when you're praying in an unknown tongue, you, you're praying faith because you're praying in, in direct agreement with the will of God. I'm talking about you know, our known language, English, where we learn how to, to talk like faith people. Amen. Um, how, you know, we, we learn how uh, to, to speak in agreement with um, the faith that we uh, possess and stand on. Amen. And so, again, we'll, we'll talk more and more about that, but one of the things that came to the surface in last Wednesday evening's sermon after this class was that faith is something that can be developed in our lives, and the life that God created us to live is to be lived by faith. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? So if our faith is underdeveloped, then that's going to hinder us in being able to live out the fullness of the life that God has for us, because the fullness of that life is based upon faith. We live by faith. So if our faith is, is weak uh, and underdeveloped, then it's, it's only going to allow us to, to go so far and reach you know, uh, so far into the life that Father God has us 
has available for us uh, to live. Praise God. All right, so this brings us then um, to this uh, fifth point. And that fifth point is, what is man? Man is a triune being. Okay? Man is a triune being. Now, that word triune may be new to you. We've used it a time or two at least um, in our time together. Uh, so if you think tri meaning three and U-N-E meaning one. So when we say man is a triune being, what we're saying is man is a three yet one being. We're three, but at the same time we're three, we're one. Okay? So man is a three yet one being. Okay? Now, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. God speaking, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, or over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, if we're talking about building the truth into our lives from the Word of God line upon line, and that there are some truths that are necessary to support other truths, if we're going to go all the way back, you know, to the foundation, at some point we're going to wind up in Genesis. And that's one of the reasons why we, went, we wind up, or I say wind up, end up, or even begin. How many classes have we began, um, you know, in, in Genesis chapter 1, okay? Um, and so, this time, we're not going to necessarily focus on image and likeness, but this time we're going to focus on the pronouns, okay? And if you'll notice, in Genesis 1 and 26, when God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I'm trying to inflect my voice to emphasize, but I'll just point it out to you on the screen. Um, us and our, and of course our again over there. Those, uh, if you remember from English class, are plural pronouns, uh, meaning uh, more than one. God did not say, let me make man in my image. Okay? But instead, he used, those would be singular pronouns. Instead, he used plural pronouns. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Right? So, how are we to understand this? Why is God speaking this way? Well, we know as the Scriptures unfold, because remember, the revelation of God to man is progressive throughout the Word of God. Okay, And we know as the Scriptures unfold, um, that God is a trinity. God is a triune being. He is God the Father, He is God the Son, and He is God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out there for you. What we're referring to now is something that is, is spiritual in nature. And because it is spiritual in nature, it is a mystery at least to your brain or your meat computer. It, and one way to illustrate what I mean by this is our God is without beginning and without ending. He has always been and He always will be. Now again, that's a concept, that's a spiritual truth that your brain doesn't know what to do with. Because everything your brain has ever encountered has had a beginning and has had an ending. Sometimes 
in an effort to try to comprehend eternity and thereby comprehend God, we play these tricks on ourselves where we try to load things into the file cabinets of our brain, you know, where we can then go back and pull those things out of our brain and, and use them to somehow grasp eternity. Let me go ahead and tell you, all right, it doesn't work, okay? <laughs> because your brain can't grasp something that has no beginning, no ending. You say, well, where does that leave us then, Pastor Mark? It leaves us back to where we were supposed to be in the first place, and that is not understanding these things with our meat computer, but understanding them with our heart by faith. Hebrews 11 says, by faith we understand. Now, that doesn't mean wink, wink, nod, nod, just pretend like something's true that's not. No, no. He's talking about because God said it, faith in your heart grabbing it, and you coming to the understanding of it apart from the natural processes of logic and reason. Some people, and, and I've used this expression myself a time or two over the years, it's something that you know that you know that you know. Um, if you remember when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, when Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He immediately fired off, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. And what he's saying there is that Peter came to the conclusion of something that was true. He came to the conclusion of something that was a spiritual truth, something that was, to, ever, to many other people on planet Earth, a mystery that they never understood. But Peter came to the understanding, revelation, conclusion of it, not because of something he heard or learned from the outside of him in, but something he learned, heard from the inside of him out. Okay, And so this is, of course, what we mean by spiritual revelation. So as we begin to try to comprehend this concept of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's very easy for us to think that Father is God and, you know, like um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are his sidekicks, but that's not, that's not how it is. Um, each one of them are individually fully God and also together fully God. And when we talked about, remember the class, for those of you here, and if you weren't here, maybe one day you can go back and look it up online, we call it the dance. And it's based out of some writings by C.S. Lewis and Timothy Keller. But they talk about the inner workings of the Trinity and how each member glorifies the other two um, with, with love and adoration. And it's this God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that created all things. Amen. And this gives us some window into um, what we were created for. Amen. Um, and it's, it's not because God was trying to get somebody to love Him. He already had that. Um, and the conclusion that we came to in, in all of that is that, is that God created us uh, to enter into that oneness and that love relationship uh, that He has uh, within God, amen, between the three different members of the Trinity. Amen? Now, um, so one of the ways, and I used to spend a lot of time here, I had some different examples uh, I just kind of cut to the chase now, but one of the key physical ways to at least get close enough, it's like a parable, it'll get you close enough, but you're still going to have to jump in the boat by faith, um, because we're talking about two different worlds here that, that can't ever dock and stop uh, with one another. Uh, but the understand, the, the, to understand the concept of, of, of water, H2O, so like for instance, when we think of God, sometimes our first thought is Father God, and sometimes we think of water, 
um, we often think of water in its liquid form. But when we speak of water, we're talking about H2O uh, molecularly, right? And we see that water can be in the form of uh, a liquid, it can be in the form of a solid, it can be in the form of a vapor. And while all three of those are different forms, and because they're a different form of H2O, they, they each have a different function. You don't do the same thing with the solid form of H2O that you do with the vapor form of H2O, although they're both H2O, right? They're a different form of the same thing, and, and have, uh, each has a different function, okay? And so, again, that's not 100% accurate uh, as far as our trying to understand and comprehend the concept of, of a triune God, but it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so each one of them are different forms of who God is, and they each have different functions, amen, but of course they all function together in perfect harmony without ever having a single disagreement, okay? Now, when we start trying to find something on planet Earth that would help us connect with the concept of Trinity, um, we can look at things like water. Another one that's a little lame is the concept of time. Time is composed, composed of past, present, and future. You, you can't have time without all three. But to me, the best example of a Trinity on planet Earth is the person that looks back, back at you from the mirror every morning. Amen. It's you. It's you. Um, you are a three yet one being. A triune God created you, a triune man, triune being in his image and likeness. A triune being to look like he looks and to function the way he functions. Now, we're going to begin to unpack this. I'm, I've got some some different drawings and things that I'll put on the screen tonight um, that'll help you, you know, lay hold of these things. Um, one of the things just as we, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do that quite, quite yet. We said pay attention to the plural pronouns. Triune God created you as a triune being. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and put um, the first drawing uh, on the board. Um, and so, this would be a way for us, and, and um, of course, those that are watching online uh, can see this. If you're listening by audio recording, um, obviously, this would be a good time for you maybe to uh, jump over to uh, the video uh, version of this class. But um, we see, of course, you know, this simple drawing, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man, spirit, soul, and body. So... The three that make the, the triune God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three that make the triune man is spirit, soul, and body. All right? Now, let's see what else we got here. Um, so, this is how most people see themselves. Okay? And uh, I don't mean just like that, that, that guy right there. They, they see themselves as being, as being one. Okay? But... This is how you should see yourself, and we'll just let, uh, let the drawing kind of play its way out here, okay? So in, instead of you seeing yourself as just one, um, you need to begin to renew your mind to the reality that you are 
um, three, okay? So this is how you should see yourself, not as one, but as one, two, and three, one yet three, and three yet one, okay? Now, let's look at some more Bible verses. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I'll give you a minute to turn there. I'd, I'd like for you to uh, have the opportunity to, to mark these. Um, uh, obviously, we're, gonna, we're trying to single out a handful of verses tonight that, that distinguish um, all three within one verse or so. Um, and so this one, First, Thess- First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, is a, uh, is a really uh, excellent go-to verse where these things are concerned. Praise God. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. <coughs> Excuse me. Praise God. All right, so it says this. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, obviously there's some important things here that we will touch on later as far as uh, we'll look at what sanctification means. And he's saying, you know, to be sanctified, simply defined, it means to be set apart. But he says to be set apart completely, not, not just to be spiritually set apart, but to be set apart in the dimension of your existence that the Bible calls your soul, and um, in the dimension of your existence that the Bible calls your body. Now, clearly, the part of us that we are the most familiar with is the part of us the Bible calls our body, our flesh. Okay? And as we've really already been laying some foundation for throughout our time together, is we see that you, know, you are much more uh, than this outward shell, uh, this outward flesh, uh, that most people uh, know, understand, and consider, right? So let's, um, let's do this. <clears throat> As we kind of build this out, we have um, our spirit, soul, and um, body. Let me, uh, praise God, let's, uh, <clears throat> well, let me just keep doing it here. At some point we'll get to where... Uh, So when we talk about the spirit, obviously there's more to it. I'm trying to just get a, a point of uh, um, it, speaking military terminology. We're trying to establish a beachhead. In, in other words, we we're wanting to uh, gain some ground in your heart and mind where these things are concerned. And once we get that ground gained, we'll come back and, and build and expound out more upon it. So, the first thing, just when we talk about your spirit, um, it's the real you, okay? And I'm telling you tonight, there's few things that are more important for you as a born-again believer to understand. Obviously, if you've not been born again, it's more important for you to hear the gospel and understand salvation. But if you are a born-again believer and, and have received Jesus, then to know that you are a triune being and... When I say it's the real you, I'm meaning the spirit inside of you is the real you, not your soul and not your body. This is, this is the part of you, um, if you've been born again, that was born again. Not your soul, not your body. When the Bible says all things became 
new. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. Right here. This is where all things became new. Not your soul, not your body. Okay? So, the more you can begin to understand this, um, because discipleship involves a lot of things. Remember, my favorite way to define discipleship is discipleship is finding out who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. You became something that day that you were not before. But most people know more about the person they were instead of the person they became. And because they still know more about that person and think more like that person, they tend to live more like that person. Right? But the more we can begin to realize that everything the Bible says uh, about someone who is in Christ, right, revealing what's true about you already as a born-again believer, the more you begin to understand that that is who you truly are, and you begin to align your thoughts, your words, and your actions, renew your mind with this reality, amen, the more you're going to experience and enjoy the life that Father God created you to live and that is already inside of you. All right, now, this next one, your soul. Your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. All right? And I sometimes break that down a little further when I say it's the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. The part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. That's the part of you the Bible calls your soul. Right? Now, there's a lot of confusion amongst people when it comes to the difference between their spirit and their soul. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who believe that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. But the Bible teaches us um, that that is not the case. That your spirit um, is separated and is different from, distinct from the part of you that the Bible calls your soul. Now, your mind, stay with me for a moment now, your mind is more than your brain. Your mind is more than your brain. Okay? I'll explain that again. We're trying to establish some things here and we'll, 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 we'll build on them as we, as we go. But if you'll notice, you know, where is the brain? The brain is here, right? So, but the mind is here. And, and so this, I think, again, really help us uh, in the same way that understanding this is the real you. Um, you ever had a thought that wasn't the real you? <laughs> you understand? How about this? And I'm, again, I'm not, no, it's not about an excuse, it's about learning, okay? Have you ever done something in the flesh that wasn't the real you? Right? I mean, I must, you know, Paul would, Paul went so far as to say when he did those things, he said, it's not me that does it. It's not me that does it. Now, again, that's, you know, denial's not a river in Egypt either, you know what I'm saying? But listen to me, it's not about denial. It's about recognizing the fundamental difference. As a matter of fact, Paul spoke of his physical body in the third person. He said, I will not let it bring me under subjection. Speaking of his flesh, speaking of his physical body. Okay? Now, 
The next one here is, um, I'm sorry, I went too far. Let's try to go back. Well, we'll just go ahead and let that play out. I, can't, I clicked it too many times. All right, so let's, we'll talk about those words at the top in just a moment. But body is, of course, flesh. We've already mentioned that. We also see that your body is where your five senses are found. Um, physical senses are in uh, the flesh dimension of your existence. And this body is also, also referred to um, in the Scripture as the outward man. As the outward man. Okay? Um, I think maybe you're kind of starting to see why this class is so important. Because we're defining some terms, we're establishing some boundaries, um, and once we understand, because you know the Bible speaks about your spirit, and then the Bible speaks about your soul. And if you think what he's saying about your soul is talking about your spirit, you're going to be confused. Or if you think what he says about your spirit, he's actually you think it means soul, again, you're going to be confused. If he's talking about something that's outward, and you think he's talking about something inward, again, you're going to be confused. If he's talking about something inward, and all you understand are outward things, you're going to be sitting there scratching your head, how can this be? Okay? So again, we talk about the outward man. Let me, um, I think I've got a drawing on this later in my notes. Um, I'm not trying to confuse you, I'm just trying to help you see some things here. Okay? Um, the Bible has much to say about the heart of man. Yes? Anybody ever read the Bible and come across that word heart? Okay. Well now, once we begin to uh, look at, at these and begin to get an understanding of these, we find ourselves in a position to better understand what the Bible means when it refers to the heart of man. Okay? And so, the cardia of man, that's the uh, the Greek word, K-A-R-D-I-A. Anybody want to guess what English word we get from cardia? <laughs> pretty, pretty obvious on that one, isn't it? The, the cardia of man. All right? I don't have dry erase marker, and it's a good thing I don't because I don't need to write on this television. But watch me. I'm going to draw the heart of man for you. Are you ready? This would be the heart of man. Okay? Here and here is the heart of man. And what I did is I just drew a heart that, in, that included both the spirit and the soul. Let me give you the definition for cardia. The totality of the immaterial man. The totality, I know some big words like mayonnaise, but let's keep going. The totality, like total, I-T-Y, the totality of the immaterial, I-M-M-A-T-E-R-I-A-L, immaterial, like material with I-M in front of it. Okay, so if something is material, it's, it's physical or physical matter. If it's immaterial, it's something that is not physical matter. So when he says the totality of the immaterial man, by process of elimination, we figure out what the heart is. Because this part of you is not physical matter. This part of you, not physical matter. This part of you is physical matter. So if the heart is the totality of the immaterial man, and you are two parts immaterial, one part material then this helps us zero in on what the Bible is referring to when it speaks of our heart. Okay? Now, 
again, I just want to go the rest of the night talking about the heart because the heart's important. The Bible says guard your heart, for from your heart spring forth the issues of life. Okay? Now that's an Old Testament passage. It's still applicable to us in the New Testament. But what we see as New Testament believers, when we're born again, Father God puts a new spirit in you. He doesn't refurbish the old spirit. The old spirit, the old you, is buried with Christ, in a, and I like to say it this way, in an unmarked grave. And you're given a new spirit, and you're, I'll show you all this in, in the Scriptures when we get to it, okay? I'm just, again, overviewing here. He puts a new spirit in you, and then your new spirit and God's spirit become one spirit, okay? And so this is why he says here, now all things are of God. Now all things are of God. Not some things, not most things. All things are of God. So this helps us understand why the heart has to be more than the Spirit because there can be things in a born-again man or woman's heart that's not of God. Right? But that doesn't mean they're in the Spirit. It means they're in the mind. They're in the soul. Okay? So when we talk about our hearts being pure before God, obviously our spirit, man is just as right before God in the eyes of God. And that's the real you. Did I mention that? <laughs> it's just as right before God in the eyes of, of God as Jesus is. But it's this part of us, amen, that's still a work in progress, so to speak. Okay? Amen. So, yes. Yes, ma'am. I apologize for whoever taught you those things. No, I'm just kidding. Me and you good like that. I wouldn't say that to anybody, Sister Gail, but I would. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's yeah, sad, isn't it? It's sad, isn't it? See, this is why, like in, the old, like in the Old Testament, let me just throw one out for you. Anybody ever heard this verse? He that winneth souls is wise. Okay? Well, again, I, a soul winner, I have no problem with anybody in the New Testament understanding soul winning, meaning going out and telling people the gospel and them getting born again, okay? But in the Old Testament, there's no salvation yet to be received. He's not talking about winning souls. He's not talking about knocking on the door, handing somebody a track, asking if they want to get born again. He's talking about somebody who is able to persuade people. Somebody who is able to change a person's mind. Somebody who is able through words and actions and, and, and these sorts of things that can act, actually alter uh, uh, the way a person feels about something to the point that they'll make a different choice than they've been making at other points. So he who wins souls is wise, right? Again, winning the soul doesn't just mean leading somebody to salvation. I don't, I don't, I don't make any bones about it tonight. I'm here to win your soul. I'm, I'm here. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm here. And what I mean by that, I'm, I'm here to influence your mind, emotions, and will with the word of the living God as I've been inspired and anointed by the Holy Spirit to do that. That's, that's what I'm here to do. Now, obviously, if you've never been born again, right, then, then, then let's get saved, okay? But notice even there, this, this message, it, it has to be where? It has to be believed in the heart. With the heart, man believeth. So even then, that's why persuading someone is, is important when it comes explaining to, you know, Giving the message to someone uh, about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is important. Um, so, 
I, 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 I feel, but sister, the good news, if, and I know you will, if you'll hang in here, you, this gonna, some, of the, some of the folks I talked to this morning about, they were asking me about class tonight, or some of them didn't even ask, I just volunteered it. Um, this is class 25, by the way. You realize what that means, right? We are two-thirds of the way done, okay? And it's my experience is that those last 12 go by faster than any of the other ones, so amen. Here we go, right? Hold on to the end, praise God, and, and hold on for the ride. Uh, one of the things that, that I told some, uh, 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 Sharon and Liz, I guess, was talking in the Women's Center. I said, if, if you'll let the Holy Spirit show you this, it'll answer a thousand questions for you. It, and I, I, I know some people think, oh, it just, that just sounds good to say a thousand questions. Maybe more than that. Um, you know, how many different things in the Scriptures um, are people confused about because they don't have this basic fundamental understanding of um, spirit, soul, and body. It's kind of like the parts of the Bible that are written to the church, parts of the Bible that are written to the Jews, parts of the Bible that are written to the, to the lost and the unsaved, uh, what we may call the Greek or the Gentile, okay? Again, when we don't understand these things, uh, we get extremely confused. Uh, and, and this is where people come up with all kinds of crazy ideas about God and, and, and doctrines. And, and, uh, and again, it's because they don't, they don't understand uh, the context and, and who and what is being um, addressed here. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> so our passage that we looked at in... Uh, First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5 and 23. May the God of peace Himself, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole, I think the King James Version says sanctify you wholly, and it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. So not holy like holy, 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 but like I ate the whole thing. Okay, holy, all of it. Amen. Well said, sister. Uh, that's not even, is that Greek? All of it? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, interesting enough, um, we have three words tra <coughs> excuse me, translated. I hope that's not like blasting the eardrums out of folks listening online. Amen. I apologize if it is. Um, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have three words here. And, of course, those words were not written in English. They were written in Greek. And if we go back to the original language, that's, I, I advanced one slide ahead, but it's, it's okay. That's what these words are here. This word is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. Uh, anybody want to guess what English word we get from pneuma? Uh, pneumatic, pneumonia. Uh, pneumatic tools, air tools, right? Pneumonia being a, a, a respiratory uh, illness, okay? Um, then the word, so that's the word for spirit, translated spirit in our English language. Then we have uh, suche. Um, I've heard it pronounced different ways, so I might not be pronouncing that exactly the way it is, but it's P-S-U-C-H-E. Again, pretty clear what English word we get from that, psyche, psychology, psychiatry, all right? And then we have the third one, soma, soma. And again, that's the word that we have here from the original language, body. Now, I point this out, again, for you know, Sister Gail's comment and question. But I also point this out because there are people who believe that the spirit and soul 
are the same thing. So instead of believing that man is a three-dimensional being, they believe that man is a two-dimensional being. And they base that on the scriptures that refer to the inward man and the outward man. But the reality of it is simply this. These two parts are inward and the body is outward. So there's two components to the inward man. The spirit and the soul are the inward man. And the flesh, five senses, physical body, is the outward man. Right? Now, the reason... And there are some things that people believe and preach and teach that are wrong. <laughs> and I, I can at least understand where they got off base. I have never had anybody who believes we're a two-dimensional being ever explain to me in any sense... In other words, I just, I literally, and I apologize, I, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody, I just literally and truly don't understand how um, you can confuse that when the Bible uses three distinctive words, pneuma, suchi, soma, spirit, soul, body. Amen. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I can understand like if these two words were derivatives of one another or, you know, were so similar in meaning that, but again, um, it, I just, it's just beyond me, other than that one verse, the inward man, the outward man. Um, but that's, again, a generalization, just like the heart um, is, is a generalization uh, of the inward man that we can then uh, zero in using the Scriptures, not using anybody's opinion, using the Scriptures um, for these things. Now, um, let's, uh, let's do this. When we talk about spirit, soul, and body, I want you, again, to begin to think of your spirit as the real you. So, this is how I like to say it, okay? I am a spirit that possesses a soul. I'm a spirit that has a soul, okay? I'm a spirit that has capacity to think, feel, and choose, not just in this world, but I have the capacity while living in this world to think, feel, and choose in my homeland. Okay? I am a spirit, I possess or I have a soul that lives in a physical body. That lives in a physical body. So, when we send men and women into outer space, they have to be in some type of containment or else they can't survive in outer space. Most of the time that's a spaceship or a space station, but on that rare occasion where we have men and women who do what's called a space walk, they get in one of those cool things called a space suit. And that space suit enables them to exist in that environment. In order for your spirit and soul to exist in this earth environment, it must have an earth suit. That earth suit was made from what? It was made from the dust of the earth. It was made from the earth. Okay? So, in order for your spirit and soul to exist on planet earth, it has to be in an earth suit in the same way for a human being to survive in outer space, they have to be in a space suit. I'm again, I'm just trying to get you to see this. When, when someone separates from their physical body, also known as death. But remember, death 
is separation. Death is separation. Death is separation. What does that mean? Spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from God. Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your physical body. So when we talk about understanding this will answer a thousand questions, we could probably knock off a hundred questions that people have about death and what happens when people die, so forth and so on, uh, right here. And, and again, all the Bible says about that. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have gone asleep. And how, how about this one? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How about this one? Paul called his body, our bodies, a tent. A tent being what? You ever been camping? Tent's a temporary dwelling place. But he says we have a house prepared in heaven. And he's not talking about our mansion in heaven. He's talking about our glorified body that's prepared for us already in heaven. Okay? And I like to say it this way. Um, it, it'll be a body that is comparable to the born-again spirit that's already in this one. Yes, sir. So the body we're in right now, we'll leave it behind, and we'll go there, uh, absent from the body. So if somebody's absent from class tonight, that means they're not in this room. Absent from the body means I, notice here I am, the real me, I am no longer in this body. Somebody, you, you follow what I'm saying? That, so absent from the body means not in this body. Okay. Um, yeah, but remember God's a spirit. But see, this is the other thing, and this is, where, again, I, I tried to say this at the beginning, there are certain things here that, they're mysteries, and, and a mystery in the sense that it can only be understood by faith. See, God is a spirit. We, we have this idea that spirit is something like a mist or a fog bank or something like that. No, no, it, it, there's spiritual matter and there's physical matter. And, and the idea that God created everything from nothing is not true. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God created everything you can see from a substance that you can't see. So we think, well, you know, we're just going to be up there like somebody try to hug us and just we just be like a wisp of, of vapor or something like that, you know? No, no, that's, that's not how it works. It's a spiritual substance. But, but absolutely right. And so the other thing, whether you meant to comment on that or not, is that it's not just um, the spirit that goes, but it's the spirit and the soul that goes, all right? And, and one of the ways, maybe we'll, when we get to this point in our study, we'll spend a little time here, some fascinating uh, uh, things that I could share with you about that. But one of, the, one of the cool things is, like, people who have died or had out-of-body experiences and have been either resurrected or came back into their bodies, they had memories of it. So that's how we know, amen, that, um, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glorified body. Yes, sir. Amen. Or as I like to say, a, a body... Um, I don't, please, I'm not... I, if anything, I'm encouraging comments and questions tonight because it sparks a lot of them. I'm just trying to show you the, the point that you bring this up and now just questions from all kind of different areas of understanding 
right? See how it starts? Oh, it starts, I can see it now. It makes sense now. Okay, that's what, that, that's, what that's saying now. So, um, uh, so, you know, yes and amen. Um, you know, so, I like, again, I'm not quite there yet, but the Bible says this of you and me right now, that we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Amen. How about this one? They complained to Jesus. They said, um, Jesus, you know, we fast, John's disciples fast, but your, your disciples don't fast. Wee, 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 right? Just, just whining and gripping about anything they can whine, gripe, and complain about. And Jesus looked at him and smiled. He said, nobody fasts when the bridegroom's with them. He said, I'm with them and we're having a good time right now. He said, there's coming a day when they'll fast. Because no man puts new wine in an old wineskin. What in the world does that have to do with fasting? See, again, it sounds so mysterious. I believe it has everything to do with fasting. Because no man puts new wine in an old wineskin, yet Jesus put new wine, the new wine of the Holy Spirit, in this old vessel, an earthen vessel called my flesh. Right? And fasting is one of the ways that we're able to keep our flesh from ruling us. Amen? Well, praise the name of the living God. All right. So, um, Numa, Suche, Soma. Think of the Soma as the earth suit. Think of it as well. You ready now? Think of it as a hand in a glove. Okay? Now, I don't have a glove on me tonight, but we'll just use an arm and a sleeve. Uh, this sleeve is moving because the arm inside of it is moving. When I go home tonight and take this shirt off, this sleeve will no longer move. Right? Because the arm that's in it is no longer in there moving it. Right? So when we say the mind is more than the brain, I want you to begin to understand this as what, and the word that the Holy Spirit gave me some years ago is the word interface is the word interface. Now what we know about the physical body is that it is fearfully and wonderfully made. What we know about the human body is that there is nothing else even close to comparing to it as far as the wonders of God's creation. We talked about the 33 billion uh, character code that determines the slightest, I mean it determines the shape of my fingernails. It, it, it's, and it's written in every cell my body would take 30-something years to read it if we read it, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet, without a spirit and soul plugged into it, it has no life in it. Right? So, when we, when we say an interface, um, your physical body was created in such a way as to give expression. Come on now, am I, am I getting too heavy on you? It was created in such a way as to give expression to the spirit and soul that lives inside of it. Right? So the human brain and the mind are two separate things, but the mind is plugged into the brain and expresses itself through the brain. In the same way, the emotions are more than just neurochemicals coursing through your veins. But the physical body was created in such a way as to give full expression to the 
spectrum of emotions that we talked about a few weeks ago that we have because created in the image and likeness of God. Are you with me? Some pretty important stuff here. It's pretty serious stuff here. So we have this uh, concept then of a hand in a glove and enables... This is what I was going to say. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, your physical body is not capable of expressing the glory that is inside of it right now. The Lord gave me this revelation at the, uh, when I preached the homegoing celebration of my dear friend Hiawatha Sheffield. And he was such an immaculately dressed man. Such a, he carried himself with such distinction but with such humility. Never known anybody like him, I'll just be honest with you. Those of you who know him, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, but, I, but this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, you know, as much as he tried to carry himself with such excellence and dignity, um, his physical body was as incapable of, of expressing the reality of his born-again spirit as an AM radio is uh, incapable of broadcasting uh, uh, hi-fi uh, digital audio. Just can't do it, right? It's like one of those old black and white televisions. You're trying to broadcast 4K video through it. It, just, it doesn't have the capacity um, to express it. And so again, um, this is why, have you ever had, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to get too spooky on you, but have you ever had just like one of those situations where, you know, in your, in your mind, it's, it's almost ironic that it's, I'm having one of those experiences right now trying to tell you about this experience, right? If some, I try not to say, I used to say this more often than I do because I'm not trying to confuse people or, or act cocky or arrogant or anything like that because it's promised not, that's not in me. But sometimes I'll come to a situation and, and I'll, and I'll want to say, or I'll say something like this, I can say it in tongues. And it was, it, like, how about this? Paul said that you would know the full dimension, the, the height, the length, the breadth, the breadth, the width, so all dimensions of the love of God which passes comprehension. <laughs> In other words, he's talking about something that is beyond the human brain, not beyond the heart and the spirit. Okay? But where the challenges come is when what God reveals to you inwardly, human words, that's why the Bible says, uh, says it this way, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, there's, there's just no way, at least in this body, with this brain and with this mouth, <laughs> at least in English, to declare it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. In the same way that the mind interfaces with the brain, the emo and, the, and the brain gives expression to the mind that's in the soul, right? It's like a hand in a glove, like you plug it in, plug and play, right? Same with the emotions. The emotions are more than neurochemicals, right? You ever like, don't raise your hand anybody in here, but you know, I'll raise mine. You ever like had something fly all over you and you feel 
Jesse Duplantis says the Tabasco, you feel it. For some reason, I feel it coming up out of my ankles. I feel that anger coming up in me, right? In other words, it's a physical sensation. It's more than just an, an emotion. It's, it's something physical, right? So what we're, what, what's happening there is um, anger interfacing with the body is triggering and releasing all kinds of neurochemicals um, in, in my bloodstream. So you're absolutely right, sister. It's, it's, it's more than um, uh, just something biological, right? This would be biological over here. Emotions are more than biological. Boy, don't they. Boy, don't they. See? See? And again, I'm not picking on anybody in here. Notice, it's, it's, and I'm not even trying to contain, I'm not trying to reel anybody, I'm not trying to contain you. I'm just trying to show you. It'll answer a thousand questions when you begin to see this and understand this. Simple answer, stay tuned for at least four hours on this in the coming days, all right? No joke. These are in strategic order. The key player in the soul is the mind. As the mind goes, so goes the emotions. And as the emotions go, what? They influence our choices. Thoughts generate emotions. Emotions influence choices. And the enemy knows this better than most people. This is why he tries to get us to replay things in our mind. See, again, we've got to quit doing that. People that wronged you 45 years ago, you, you know, you just get all, you just sit there and relive, I had a chance, I just, you know, just reliving over and over and over and over, replaying it on a loop in our minds, right? Because it manipulates our emotions, right? And emotions, like anger, for example, is a powerful anesthetic. Anger is a more powerful anesthetic than, than, than surgical drugs. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about stuff they put you out with, right? When I say strong, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but how about this is what Michael Dye pointed out on this point, right? You can be so angry that somebody hits you in the side of the head with a brick and you not feel it, at least in the moment. Right? You're in a rage, and that anger coursing through your bloodstream is powerful anesthetic, right? So the short answer, again, stay tuned, um, is the, the only way to ever gain control of the emotions is to gain control of the mind, okay? Now, let me... Jesus is, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself now, but Jesus talks about, in the scriptures, and we'll get there, amen, he talks about telling us how to regain possession of our soul. See, that's what happens a lot of times, uh, you, you ever say like, you know, somebody, I'll be silly about it, but somebody says, man, them chocolate donuts own me. Right? Yeah. See, internet pornography owns a lot of people's souls. Because their minds are consumed. Their minds, in other words, they, they, who's they? Who are you? Your spirit, right? Spirit doesn't have control of the mind, right? And since the spirit doesn't have control of the mind, right, you can't bring the body into alignment. This is where all kinds of sexual sins and things, amen. Again, when I say a thousand questions, I'm going to change it. I'm going to start saying five thousand because it's just not, five thousand not enough, amen. I'm just, again, trying to show you. So, Mind, emotions, will, thoughts, feelings, choices, right there um, in the soul. Here's a classic example. Um, and not only are these three in this order on purpose, 
I, and you'll see as we progress through this, spirit, soul, and body, um, they're in that order on purpose. Um, what we're going to see in the Scriptures later is the spirit and the body don't even speak the same language. They're at odds with one another. And guess who's caught in the middle? Your soul, right? And if, if we learn how to manage this part of our existence, matter of fact, that is the target of discipleship. Uh, the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. So did I see your hand, brother? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. That's it. So, what the Bible says, um, if you walk in the Spirit, see, we think walk in the Spirit only, you know, we, it, I'm not saying it doesn't mean this, but it means more than this. We think walk in the Spirit means walk in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Walk in the Spirit means being led by this part of you because this is where the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If you've been born again, this is the part that was born again. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, this is where He lives inside of you, right here, right? So being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit means walking in this reality, not just walking in, the, you know, the Holy Spirit said, come this way, but walking in the new reality of who you became when, the Holy, when you were born of His Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. <laughs> so here's the thing this is the amazing thing about it okay I, Pam how long have I taught these things before we ever did before we ever did discipleship class that was 15 years ago I have taught these things and as many times as I have asked who, where do we get the word pneuma this is the first group that's ever said pneumonia when y'all said pneumonia I thought no but I went yeah it is you know <laughs> See, again, it's, it's in the mind, isn't it, brother? Planted in the mind there. We can walk in the Spirit while in the flesh. Right? So again, it's a classic, a great question. So he said, how, he's, this is what he says in Galatians. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Only way to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. It's a byproduct. You can't look left and right at the same time. So, yeah, so, but, but obviously when we talk about heaven and all that stuff, we won't have a flesh dragging us down, trying to drag us down like it does. So, walking in the Spirit here on the earth means walking, led by the Holy Spirit, absolutely, but also walking in the reality of our new birth. Put on the new man, right? Is what the Bible says. Yes, sister. Okay. Okay. It's a wonderful question. I thought you were going to ask it the other way around. 
though. Is it operating in your suche or is it operating in your, in your pneuma? Okay? Because again, spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness is what, is, what, is what depression really is, a spirit of heaviness. But see, now this... Did I, did I mention we're trying to get started tonight? All right, so we fix to go... I'm not... See, you thought, well, Pastor Mark, you're just confused. I'm not trying to confuse you. Okay? Any Marines in the, in the room? Not, I'm raising my hand. Anybody in here in Marine Corps? Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you, Robert. I knew somebody was. Thank you for reminding me. All right. Thank you for your service. Yes, sir. Brother Robert could tell you something about the Marine Corps. It's called the Spirit of Corps. Spirit of the Corps. Okay. That's not a demonic spirit or a heavenly spirit. Spirit of Corps, Spirit of the Corps is talking about the attitude with which a Marine carries himself or herself. It's talking about a mindset. Okay. So when we talk about a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of faith, right? We're not talking about some being that is heaviness. Now, the enemy obviously is wanting to bring depression and heaviness on all of us, but a spirit of infirmity is another one, right? Spirit of infirmity. It's a, it's a mindset. Let, let's take spirit of infirmity for an example. Don't raise your hands or look at anybody because I'm not talking about anybody in this room, but have you ever known anybody growing up in your family, maybe somebody your family knew or maybe some distant cousin or something like that, all they ever wanted to talk about was sickness, illness, what surgery they've had, which surgery they're going to have. So it's, a, it's a mindset. They're consumed with it, right? So, again, when we, when we start talking about a spirit of heaviness, the Bible says, what do we do for a spirit of heaviness? We put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so the idea behind that is, so to answer your question, it's, it's here, okay, but... The senses that it affects are here. In other words, the, the, the root is here. The fruit is here. In other words, it, it, because as, as we think on those things, as, as these different mindsets and attitudes that have taken put roots down in our, in our thinking, um, see, now they're manipulating uh, our central nervous system and producing those feelings, and I understand emotions, but I'm talking about the physical aspects, because, man, depression will wear you down, right? Depression is like you don't even want to get out of bed. I mean, it just, it, just, it, just, it just drains you physically, right? It's because it's, it's flooding your system with neurochemicals that, that are, you know, dragging you down and depleting you of ones that, that pump you up, so to speak, all right? Listen, I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody angry in here. You just got to love Pastor Mark, okay? I'm not trying to run you off. I'm trying to get you to stay here to the end, okay? Um, but listen to me, please. See, th this is why you can't put a pill in this guy's mouth and fix something with this guy right here. I, I, I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody that does that. I'm just saying what they do with that pill is it's like if you go to a breaker panel, you know, like you ever seen one of those panels got all those electrical switches, Okay. Well, it's like, you know, you just take a pill and it's like sticking a hand in there and going and turning some switches off, right? And, you know, you may turn off the one that needs to be turned off. You may turn, on, turn off three that need to be on, right? This is why a lot of people take that medica medication and they want to go kill themselves. Because it, it's, it's altered things, you know, within the interface here and, again, has given the enemy an, an, an opening uh, because the natural defenses that are in the brain uh, have been broken down th through those chemicals. So I'm not, listen, I'm not, just, just how about this, okay, can we at least agree here? Jesus bled to death naked on a cross 
so that we could be 100% whole, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> if I was to tell you we've been doing this for an hour and 20 minutes, would you believe me? It goes by fast, doesn't it? In my, uh, in my notes, uh, last year I was looking at, we only got to just a handful of slides, and I thought, what happened last year? You know, and what are we, uh, this is about slide number eight, I guess, so I don't know if we've been to that many. All right, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's a verse we've looked at before, we'll look at it again, okay? For the Word of God is living and powerful, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword could I give you the New Winslow International Version of this? Sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So again, back to what Sister pointed out earlier. The only part of this that she had explained to her growing up in church was the part about the soul and it just kind of was all lumped together. Notice that we have an instrument that is sharp enough to cut and separate the part of you that is spirit from the part of you that is soul. Right? Now, I love the way the Bible's written here, but what he's actually saying is the only way you will ever know the difference between the part of you that's spirit and the part of you that's soul is if you let the Word of God tell you. <laughs> and why is that? That's because in reality, your spirit, soul, and body are all joined together in the sense that what happens at one level, I keep looking for the drawing up here, it's not back, I'll put it back up in just a minute, but what happens at one level of your uh, body, effect, or, I'm sorry, your being, excuse me, got to get the language right here, three-dimensional being, so let's say some, you know, something takes place in your spirit, it doesn't leave your soul and your body unaffected how about this have you ever heard this expression psychosomatic psychosomatic okay what is psychosomatic it is a physical illness that has a psychological cause it is something in the suche that is causing an illness in the soma. 
Let me give you, wait, before we go on here, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So let's go back to this. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Again, I can't understand why people think the soul and spirit is the same thing when the Bible says the Word of God is sharp enough to separate the part that's soul from the part that's spirit. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. And of the joints and marrow. Joints and marrow. Now, this is speaking of the physical body, but not just the physical body. The deepest part of the physical body is the bone and the marrow in the bone. But we also know that the Bible knew this before medical science ever confirmed it, is that life is where life is in the blood, and blood is manufactured where? In the marrow of the bone. So he's talking about where physical life springs forth. And that the Word of God is able to penetrate into the deepest part of your spirit, your soul, and your physical body, all the way down to the marrow in the bones, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's saying here that the Word of God knows not only what you're thinking, but the Word of God is so diverse in its power and life that it understands why you do what... See, intention has to do with, with the why behind the what, right? And he's saying that the Word of God, the word of God is a discerner. It's, it's, it's a judge. It's, it's able to look at these things and, and clarify the thoughts and intents of the heart. I like to say it this way. The Word of God not only knows what you do, but it knows why you do it. It has that level of answers for us. Because notice, it's getting down to the fundamentals. Dare I say it, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. It's getting down to the, I mean, to the marrow in the bone, dude. It's getting down to the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Seems like we looked at it a week or so ago, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? And no matter what happens in our spirit, if our thinking never changes, our life reality is not going to change. But aren't you glad we have available to us something that can penetrate to that depth in our hearts and in our lives and correct those things? When we talked about the Word of His power, we used the example of uh, computer virus, or we should, I guess we should call it antivirus software. But if you understand how that works, your computer can have a, a virus in it. And you could put that software in there, and that software will go into the inner workings of that computer, and it'll find where it's been contaminated, and that contamination is causing it to function incorrectly. And not only will it identify where it's off and, and, and in error, but it has the capacity to correct that error so that it'll then begin to produce the correct results again. This is the power of the Word of God. It's living and powerful. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. When He was on this earth, we see that Jesus ministered at a very high level of effectiveness. And we see that as the Word of God made flesh, Jesus recognized when people would come to Him with problems, whether their problem was spiritual in origin, mental in origin, emotional in origin, or physical in origin. There would be times that people would come to Jesus and they would have some physical condition, and Jesus would cast a demon out of them. It was, a, it was a spiritual cause producing a physical 
sickness or effect. There were other times that people would come to Jesus and they would be experiencing seizures and things of that nature. And you would think classic uh, demonic possession case. And Jesus would pray for their physical brain to be healed because it was, it was, a, it was an organic brain uh, disorder or disease or what have you. Notice again, the Word of God made flesh is working to correct what's broken and needs to be corrected in men's and women's lives on all three dimensions. Spirit, soul, and body. Man, I get excited about this. All right. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I need everybody with me in agreement. Y'all in agreement with me? I got, I've got about five hours of teaching to do tomorrow, so I need, I need, amen, miracles, amen. I'm going for it, praise God. All right. Proverbs 17, 22. It says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit Dries the bones. Merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, I've mentioned my lack of affection for statistics more than once already in this class. Um, years ago, when we first started this, I included a lot of statistics. Obviously, they would be outdated by now. Before they ever became outdated, I dropped them out of the note pile. But I did keep a few. And this particular statistic, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, I've tried to find a lower one. In other words, I'm going to give you a statistic, and, and it's a very high statistic, okay? Um, the range I'm going to give you is 75 to 90%. Okay? That's a lot, all right? 75 to 90%. So when I first, you know, again, felt led to research this and look up some of these things, I, I thought, well, no, come on. You know, I, <laughs> it can't be that much. And so I, uh, I tried, you know, to find, you know, something more like in the 20 to 30% range. But I'm telling you, it's not, it doesn't exist. 75 to 90%. What is that? Uh, a statistic reflecting. 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are stress related. 75 to 90. I know 75 to 90 is kind of a big jump. 75 was like the lowest I could find. A lot of people say 90%. So if I just said 75%, you know, but I, again, if I'm going to be intellectually honest, I've at least got to give you the low range and the high range. 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are stress related. Am I the only one that that just seems like, it just, it just, it, it just seems such a large number? This is that psychosomatic connection that we're talking about. 
When he says a merry heart does good like a medicine, let's go ahead and um, do some more drawing here. When we say that a merry heart does good like a medicine, um, science has proven this to be true. That when we laugh, we release healing endorphins into our bloodstream. And here's the unique thing about it, that there's really no difference between a good, hearty belly laugh and just fake laughing. Like just going, ha, 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 ha. I know, again, it doesn't sound right, but it, that's really true. I mean, just add fake laughter. Phoning it in. Pretend laughter has positive health benefits in our lives. It's that psychosomatic connection. It's that mind-body connection. Okay? Now, we've added a little bit to our drawing. And what we've added is, uh, of course, the word God. And then we've added arrows. And those arrows are meant to uh, describe or reflect, communicate two very important things. They're meant to communicate, obviously, directionality. Okay? But they're also meant to communicate connection. So, flow and connection. Flow and connection. One more time, flow and connection. So, God is a spirit, and He created you and me as spirit beings possessing souls living in physical bodies to share a spiritual union with Him. A spiritual connection with Him. Okay? Now, this word zoe, and that is, that is what that uh, word is right there. The little line is there to make sure it looks more like a, a Z instead of a number. Uh, Alright? But this word zoe, Z-O-E, um, it is a word that stands in comparison, maybe contrast, I don't know the right word there, to this new word we've added over soma, which is the word bios. You still with me? Everybody still with me? Okay. Now, in the same way that the Bible speaks of death as both physical and spiritual, we see that the Bible speaks of life both from a spiritual perspective as well as a physical perspective. Right? So, when we see this word zoe, let me give you the definition for it. Are you ready? It's important. You're going to hear me say it a lot. Okay? This word zoe means the life and nature of God. Some people just say the zoe life of God. Okay? The zoe life of God. Now, I think it's pretty clear on bios, but bios is the Greek word for life, and it's speaking of 
physical life, or we could simply say biological existence, a physical, physiological, biological existence. Okay? Now, amen. Praise God. Let's, um, I'm, I'm going to leave the drawing up there for a moment. Um, but let me give you <clears throat> a couple of verses. Um, one we've already mentioned, but let's go to John chapter 10 and verse number 10. John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're about out of time for this evening. But let me at least get this part to you, okay? You get anything out of this tonight? All right. So, in John chapter 10, Jesus says to a group of people, the thief does not come. Did I say John 10, 10? Okay. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Literal translation is life in overflowing abundance. Okay? Now, Jesus was speaking to people who were biologically alive. I know that's kind of obvious, but I'm pointing that out for a reason. If Jesus is standing in front of a bunch of people and He said, hey, I've come to give y'all life. And they're probably looking at each other like, does He think we're dead? You know, Jesus didn't say, I've come to give you bios. He said to those who had bios, I've come to give you zoe. I've come to give to you the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. Anybody ever heard eternal life? Eternal life is not something that you're given as a born-again believer the day you die. Read the Bible. We'll look at it when we, when we get to that section. But again, the Bible says if you have the Son, you have Zoe. If you are born again, you have eternal life. And this is why the Bible says you will never die. He's talking about spirit, not body. Okay? Are you with me? Now, when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, He breathed into him Zoe, and that Zoe produced bios in his flesh. When Adam sinned, he disconnected himself or as I have a drawing, I think, that has a blockade here. When he sinned, he cut off this flow of life. 
the Bible says it this way, in the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. But the literal translation is, in dying you shall surely die. Okay? What does that mean? Let me try to get over here in front of it. In dying, you shall surely die. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, the zoe, they unplugged from that. That's the best way I know how to say it. They separated themselves from that flow of zoe, but they continued to maintain a biological existence. But bios is not eternal, my friend. Bios is eventually going to wind down and they're going to die. Okay? Now, the last thing, and we'll begin somewhere. We'll probably do some review next week because we've got some folks that, be, that couldn't be here tonight that want to be here. We'll be here next week. And we'll do some review. I think we could probably all use a little review on this as well. We've covered a lot of ground tonight. You realize that, don't you? All right. But I want you to see this because this is really, really important. It's the flow of Zoe. In other words, the way God created you, He created you for your spirit to be connected with Him and for His life force to flow, His Zoe to flow from Him into you, but into you via that spiritual connection. So it to flow from God to your spirit, from your spirit to your soul, from your soul to your body, and from your body into the, into the world around you. We were created. If you'll, if you'll get... Obviously, there's a lot to take away from tonight. But if you'll take this one thought away from tonight, I believe it'll change your life forever. You ready? You were created by God to live from the inside out. Most people on planet Earth are trying to live from the outside in. They are living in a, in a flow where they're trying to get not what they need from inside of them, out of them, but they're trying to get what they need from outside of them into them. And it won't work. It will not work. It's not how, it's not how you were created to live. Right? So, we'll put the brakes on right there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for what you're showing us. Thank you for what you're helping us to lay hold of tonight. Thank you, Father, for that answer for each one of us to a thousand questions, Lord. Thank you, Father, that going to revolutionize, this understanding is going to revolutionize the way we study the Scriptures, the way we see ourselves, the way we see other people. Father, help us tonight to lay hold of these truths, not just in an intellectual way, but Father, in a deep inward way. More than information, more than even revelations, Father, but, but revelation, but impartation. Thank You, Lord, for the life that we have in You. Thank You, Father, for the eternal life and nature of God overflowing our lives without end. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen.